grateful for your word and we're grateful for the saints. Thank you for the company we have. While we're here, we trust that we'll enjoy the company forever. In your son's name, amen. Okay. Last couple of weeks, I was uh, in Proverbs on wisdom, and the image last week of wisdom builds her house. But folly with her own hands tears it down. You'll notice at the bottom of this week's notes, the memorable verse is still that verse. Now, I was looking at it, said, what shall I replace that verse out of the available passages I'm preaching on? He said, no, it's still about that. Because the Proverbs 9 thing from last week, wisdom has built her house, she has set up her seven pillars. I was talking to somebody after church last week about, you know, how we really don't know what the seven pillars of wisdom are, P.E. Lawrence notwithstanding. But this guy I was talking to after church had all sorts of ideas. You know, the seven is the number of perfection. I said, well, we don't know that. But we can also make supposals. It's important since we are looking at this architectural uh, metaphor. And it's a, it's a natural one. Uh, Al texted me uh, from the west side last week about, about the metaphor and how convenient it was. You know, we, we all think in terms of the house we build, the house we rent, the apartment we have, whatever it is, the, how we design it, how we... Um, make it a better place. And Christ doesn't let us up on this, and that's what we're looking at this morning. Matthew 7. This is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the narrow, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those that find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. A sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Now, you notice what is bolded. Those that find it are few. Thus you will know them by their fruits. And it seems like there's no prisoners taken here. The Christ says, hey, <laughs> what you're like is what you act like. You can't claim, no, I'm really a good person. I know we like to have those adjustments between our, what people measure us being and what we measure ourselves as being. And we know I have real good reasons for getting that angry in that situation or if I couldn't resist not forgiving Everyone loves forgiveness until they have to forgive something. 
we don't really want this merit. You know, we, go, we, we step away from it because this is grace, right? Christianity, all is, all is forgiveness. We love being broken and getting fixed. You know, we never get around to actually doing the good thing that God saved us to do. We need to know how important that was to Jesus Christ. He was not forgiving us that the poor little lost sheep would be forgiven, but that we might, that we might be righteous. And he's, he's letting you know that that's the means by which you tell someone is one of the righteous. It's whether or not their fruits are appropriate to a sound tree. Don't expect it to be a lot of people because those that find it are few. But when you have, and you have noted in the news, Christians pass it on, horrified that somebody famous just got found with a secretary where they shouldn't be. They try to bail out the ministry that they just destroyed. Should you? There's no sound tree. There's probably much more wrong than just this head pastor is immoral. But he's got good doctrine. Yeah. Hear good doctrine from a good person. Because you can't be sure. They're, oh, yeah, bad man could say good things, but how can you know it's good if it didn't have the effect in him? Not everyone, verse 21 who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Not only are there a lot of people who are not sound trees, and we find out by the effects, the karmic play out of their life, not just the punishment, but the, the actual immoralities. He's, he's letting you know that there is a specific kind of doing the deeds of his father, which do not include um, prophesying, um, casting out demons, and many mighty works. Does not include that. Because these guys are orthodox, Lord, Lord, didn't we do, you say, you have to be doers? Didn't we do? Yeah, but that's not what I want you to do. Mighty works. Well, we give our eye teeth to do some mighty works. You know, my favorite, it's not really a mighty work because it wouldn't be like healing you because you're on call when you have to heal people. Everybody, I got a little cough. Uh, Pastor, uh, could you come by? Fix me. Let your shadow fall upon me. I'm busy smoking on the porch. So you got to pick something that's less in demand. Prophecy would be, I'm going for levitation. And that way, the, the, um, uh, those that notice you levitating go, wow, he must be really something. He can float. So pray for me that I might have that. But doing all those things, and, and okay, let me be honest with you. I mean, if I were saying horrid things and living in a, being mean and malicious but floating, 
let's just say you could say healing or something you like healing, but floating, you wouldn't be able to deny that I was capable of mighty works by the power that is called great, as they said of Simon Megan. We measure the deeds just like the people who want to be measured by those deeds. What do we replace it with? You can't, basically, you can't be offering deeds to God that he has not asked for. He who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, that's the guy. Doing those things is not the will of my Father. Everyone who, this is the portion where it ties in with wisdom building her house. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, look at the one variation. Both heard, one did, one didn't. Does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And he said at that moment, let us close in prayer, because that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So what we're talking about this morning is more architecture. And that it matters, obviously, what you build, what you claim. It is not everyone's version of wisdom. If wisdom has set up her house, there's not a school of thought called wisdom that you can be some sort of, you know, interested in anything and pursue it and call it wisdom. It's not philosophy. Every wrong philosophy is philosophy. Every wrong philosophy. And there's far more wrong philosophies than are right philosophies. This is the right answer, not merely the entertainment of being after right answers. Whatever those seven pillars are that wisdom is considering and wants you to consider, Christ wants you to consider your life in terms of your response to him. Hear my words and do them is going to reflect in what kind of architecture you laid down. Now, we know the difference. I live, you know, in Fort Russell. You drive down to Rose Hours. You go down the hill into what we call the bottomlands, where back in the 20s, they built houses without foundations. Cheap land, flooded regularly. There's certain parts of this town where the river used to go through it, and it still does. <laughs> this church some of the time. And people knew very well what it was like to have a stream flood and do damage to the house. I, I you know, have a big, very strong memory. When I was in the Navy back in the 70s, I... Um, a flash flood happened in the Laguna Mountains, which is just east of, or, or west of our base, and a 40-foot, quarter-mile-long wall of water came down a canyon in the Lagunas. 
took out the freeway, took out the bridge, killed, I don't know, 10 people in that situation, hit the flats of the at the bottom of the desert, and spread out, soaked up by the sand immediately. But the problem was it didn't go on to create a lot of havoc after a mile or two from the mountains. The problem was the city of Acatillo was within that distance. And that water went through that town. And these are all retirees, you know, living in the sun, sunny desert of Southern California. And the Navy was called in, not because it was water, because we were available to go dig this town out. I remember crawling into someone's living room, crawling in next to the lamp on the ceiling. There was the dirt and there was the ceiling. Um, amazing, amazing uh, destruction of buildings and edify that were not built, you might say, ready for floods. They said, we're building on sand because that's what's here. It matters when it happens. I was talking to somebody about last night whose family's house had burned down twice. Whose? Oh, yeah, Lou's, uh, Lou Walsh. Um, her grandparents live in Santa Barbara, and twice in the history of their house, they've been there 50 years, it's burned down because of wildfires. I said, seems like you uh, need to learn a lesson. Move somewhere. But Santa Barbara's so nice. We know that all these things matter. Time comes on. We, everything we do to improve a house, a new roof, we decide what kind of roof it was. On my way to church this morning and my absence, emotional absence from my house because of my daughter's wedding, Robbins had decided they're going to put a nest on our back porch. I've tried to spoil that on the way to church. Um, you have to be thinking about these things. And Christ says, the foundation of the, your life is on the issue of whether or not you do what he says. Not whether you hear what he says, whether you do what he says. That's the distinction. Those that hear and do, those that hear and don't. But we have a lot of room in the Christian church for hearing and not. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Eh, better stop that nonsense. Start living as Christ calls you to live. Because great is the fall of it. I have the Luke passage where he does the same story out of Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house. Let's look at this phrase. Who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock. A little bit more intensified language than the Matthew passage. The, uh, the Matthew passage says he it. He built a house, and when the flood came, it had a foundation so it didn't fall. In Luke, he says, the guy was moved to dig deep, lay the foundation on the bedrock, and then build the house. That's the man who does what he heard. We are 
very capable of designing things to do that he didn't ask for. I was preaching to a lot of people that don't often hear me yesterday. And they seemed to enjoy it. Because the comment they were commenting to Leslie was, uh, he, he preaches like he talks to you. Just that I talk, I don't have pastoral unction. You know, um, that sense of uh, marriage, that sort of thing. I think some good pastors out there that do have that unction, it, it, it takes some, um, some prep. But a lot of people think that that's what you're supposed to. It doesn't ever tell you how you're supposed to preach. I mean, I, I figure you get up here and you talk to people about what you think about the way you think about it. And that's my choice. But it's amazing how many different things we have co-opted uh, co from history art, the world, good intentions, a benefit that was seen in one person's life, but then we replicate it for everybody's life. We want to be doing what Christ wants us to do, but we don't go digging deep to find it. We'd be happy to have the church slip a tracked across to us a list, a list of accomplishments you need to make. And it might be rigorous. Wow, man. Church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night? Well, yes, Wednesday night. Now, you guys don't know diddly about churchiness. You don't even have an evening service. Um, you can't even show up on time to the morning service. But that was, there are people out there Wednesday night, too. I grew up with that hell and Southern Baptist version of it. I will never do that to anyone. I mean, if you start saying, oh, let's have a Wednesday service, I'm going to say, no. I don't care how eager you are. We're not having a Wednesday service. We have developed rigors that are simpler for us to get at. You know, it is simpler to figure out how to heal the sick and prophesy and do mighty works and go to church on Wednesday than it is to love your neighbor. Simpler. The will of the Father is not your offering of piety. Have you ever been in the middle of a discipline run-up with one of your kids. And these are the people you have to watch. These are your children that you really have to watch. These are awful little Pharisees because they know they're headed for the spanking room. And then they stop and offer you a good deed. Uh, can I do that? Mother, can I carry that for you? I'd be happy to design a piety and call it keeping the will of the Father. Well, I'm glad you guys come to church. I mean, I, I like being here. I hope you like being here. But there's like one verse in the Bible. Do not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. 
So in some cases, unless we created a fake piety around going to church, you wouldn't be here, or some people wouldn't be. I noted uh, in my many arguments over the Great Commission with people, because I don't think the Great Commission is to you. You, might, you may disagree with me, not a big deal. Um, but the standard argument back is, then why would we preach the gospel? Oh, I don't know, maybe because you love people? Maybe. If you can only do things out of the artificial pieties you create of obedience, not obeying Christ and his Father the way Christ and the Father wish to be obeyed, which is loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself and it compounding into this goodness that you have. If we don't have the goodness of Christ and his Father, we end up having a replacement, seemingly rigorous, seemingly spiritual, and the, and the rest of the Christians actually put you on the top of the heap of the spiritual because they see you doing all the things, whether it's Bible reading or Bible memory or praying a lot or, or going to church a lot. It, would, it seemed to me that we would be caring as we dug. If we go, go all the way back to verse 14 there in Matthew 7, those that find it are few. Hearing the words comes to him and hears the words and does them. There's a lot sitting on you. It's not on the church to create this. Because too often the church will create something that is just, again, a piety involvement that you can get on board with. And you try to come up with something that sounds, you know, righteous but doable. You have to come to Christ. You have to hear him. And you have to do them. And that's what it's like to dig deep and lay a foundation upon rock. It's got to be his temple. You're a living stone in the temple of the living God. You're not a living stone in the Southern Baptist temple or the All Souls Christian Church temple or whatever version of piety we want to create. It's the temple of the living God. James 1, as I was thinking through this, um, James 1 came to mind. Know this, this is... Drew had read a little bit later in James, and he repeats some phrases in the part Drew, Drew read, so you can go on and look at that. Know this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But... That's sort of, yeah, everyone, you're supposed to be receiving the implanted word. You're standing away, you're, you're, you're repenting of dead works, ungodliness, etc. You're ready to listen, receiving the implanted word. But he says, okay, i got to warn you of something. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves conveniently in red. Deceiving yourselves. We know how in various places in the world how unchurched certain American cities are. I hear Portland is one of the most unchurched cities in America. 
And being church doesn't always help because the Christians gather around and follow after groups designed to say, did we hear the same thing? Do we like hearing the same thing? What do you like hearing about here? What's the, what's the, what's the draw? Well, you have a big draw, obviously. There's a draw. People like to hear certain things. The thing is, you got to get to, until you become the person who heard and did, it's all wa- it's a waste, it's a wash, it's a, the house falls down and great was the fall of it. You deceive yourself because you think, we, we stress that sitting there under the teaching, and you know I talked about this the other day, the nodders, the, the people who affirm you as you look past their eyes in the congregation, they nod. To prove, yes, I'm listening, Pastor. There's just some some goodness about the pew. The pew is so righteous. I mean, you know it's not built for comfort. I mean, it's built for really functionality. And we really like having them because they used to be padded chairs that the Epicureans in this church did not like the fact that we got rid of them. But the Nazarenes were getting rid of these pews. We got ourselves some pews. And you know, they just, I mean, they, the, the end thing I crossed there on the end, my goodness, you're sitting in heaven. This is righteousness. I don't know, by the time, you know, we've been in this building 13 something years, 14, the, cro- the cross has got to go. I feel like it's idolatry back here. I know it's just a cross, I know it's an awful cross. But as soon as I figure out what to put there, I'm going to put something else there. Picture of, you know, Che. Uh, get the cross rid of the But some people go, oh, you can't do that. It'd be like, you know, a Boy Scout and the flag. You know, you can't let the cross touch the ground. I mean, you have to take it home. You've got to take a chainsaw to it. No, you can't do that. It's a cross. The pews are like that. The steeple's like that. We, we got cursed with a good church. We got a great church, great lights, really nice church lights, really improvement from the fluorescence that were here. People are happy to rent our church, but we have got to stay free from this nonsense. We got to like it and not have it become, not have it become the doing that Christ has asked of us. The, the doing that Christ has asked of us is, is going on between you. Everything that is in this world is only known of by you as an individual and hopefully you in company with other people. You, you strive to know and be membered with one another. That's why we get married. That's why we have friends. That's why we have churches. It's so we can have that community, don't quote me, that community of, of communion. Rooted in love, Obedient to Christ, obedient to his Father. It's deceiving to ourselves to have any kind of other thing start to be the performance area you could do for Jesus. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. 
Now, I'm an artist. I've looked at myself very fondly in mirrors. I'm not a handsome man, but I don't lose track of what I look like. I could draw a cartoon of me at any point. I could draw a likeness of myself because I know what I look like. But, that, but that's, that's sort of professional. We do forget something as obvious. How many times have you looked at that picture in the bathroom with your face? I was reading a story the other day of some psychologist who said the real problem is we're not, we, it's backwards and we don't know ourselves frontwards. And that's really disturbing when you see yourself frontwards. Yeah, separate issue. We know that we are not digging deep like we should. If I don't, if I don't stop and draw a picture of what I'm seeing in the mirror, it's like when you took notes. Remember when you took notes in college? You took notes. That meant that you, you dug a little deeper into your behavior regarding what you were hearing so that the listening, the hearing, would stay with you a little longer. And when I was in you know, art school, you know, you'd, I ran with a big canvas down to the bathroom and did a self-portrait looking in the bathroom mirrors, drawing on this four-foot-by-four-foot four canvas. You draw yourself, you know yourself. You take a note, the notes are there. Your hand had to do something to codify what you were hearing. That's not enough, I mean, but it's progress. You know, the spade is going into the ground to, to dig deep. If you stop and go back and read what Drew read this morning after this sermon, that's the spade going into the ground a little deeper. But he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer that forgets but a doer that acts, he shall be blessed in his doing. So just like you, the, the, the fall of that house was great, the blessed in your doing is available if you do. But the distinction is, did I get to the doing portion where my life acts like a Christian to other people? When it's unpleasant and the unloving, unlovable people out there, and there are a few you love. That's what the law of liberty is. He says that later in the passage, right? Um, verse 8 of chapter 2 that uh, Drew read if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of liberty. He says that that's a few verses after this one, about a paragraph. And then two sentences later he says, so speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. This royal law is love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments are fulfilled in that one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Lord wants of you. He doesn't want Wednesday night prayer meetings. He'd love to have people praying on Wednesday nights, but not people who are giving him praying on Wednesday nights. Lord, did you see me in the third row? Who's in the third row? One of the hills in the paddock, Mr. Taylor. 
point, guys. Your point. Less time and purgatory. I hear that's a thing. The law of liberty. We look into it. It's to see ourselves. It's to see what motivates me. If I am just a hearer of theology, I, I come around and listen to Jesus, come around and listen to whatever Bible teachers you like reading or watching or whatever. Hearing is a path to some things that are not the kind of believing. Because John, I mean, James goes on to talk about, well, later in chapter 2, about how faith, if it's not supported by works, isn't faith. It's just dead. What kind of, remember, we, deceiving ourselves is the key thing. We don't want to deceive ourselves. If I am not doing this, I'm deceiving myself. Because I'm religious, but I'm not pleasing God. And I need to get to the place where my belief produces deed. We, we, we have categories, or we use the same word, because even the de demons believe and shudder. We know there's a different kind of belief that steps out and does, lives in accordance with it. It says, I can use this for the best benefit of my life. Remember, I always give this illustration because it, it works. Gravity, you've heard of it, you, you live with it, you enjoy it. And ever since you found out about it by falling off your parents' couch, you said, hey, I could work this. And a little a chonky Tom, wherever he is, when he walked, it was like the scales fell from his eyes. He said, I am a man on my own recognizance. I can go do things. Because I learn to control my fall. You just shove a leg out there in front, start falling, put a leg out, there you go. And off you go. Gravity is a wonderful thing to believe in because you know the whole world is sucking things for some unknown reason to the center of this planet. I have to wear a bib in restaurants because that is true. Because my gut is in the way between my mouth and the center of the earth. Okay, so when soup or salsa or whatever drips off the tip, it heads to the center of the earth, it is, the gut interferes, and I have a red stain on my white ubiquitous shirt. And Leslie carries the Tide, what's it called? Tide to go pen in her purse because her idiot husband stands in the way of gravity. We all know it's going to happen. The bib notwithstanding, you rub it out. Tied to go really works on a white shirt really well. Because you believe, right? You live by that. Because if you love God and you believe, it's not like the demons who hate God and believe. They shudder. That's your two options. It's not that belief does not get some response, but if you hate God, you know the judgment's coming when you believe. That's when they cried out, Legion cried out, you know, uh, you know, don't torment us before the time. Cast us into those pigs. Demons believe, but they're on the bad side of it. You got, they got the belief part right. They disappoint God. 
so they know they're in for it. But when you know that you've got a life ahead of you, and Chauncey Tom learned to walk, now he's got all sorts of development in the human construct of his mind. What's going on? I know how to make a life. Are we just happy to find what we approve of? Or what our, we were talking about this the other night about liking theologies that our temperament are kind of designed for. We think we're headed towards agreement. It's something that struck me this morning. I had to write it down on a, on a, you know, a, a what's it called, a, a bookmark, because I, I was going to forget this before I got to my computer. The distinction between agreement and belief. It's, it's, a, it's a word distinction. might not be that important, but some way to get you to understand that you hearing and agreeing <coughs> is not quite the same as hearing and believing. When we agree, we say, well, yeah, that's a, that's a reasonable, I think that's probably the best accounting of this problem, whatever it is that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. What about that? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty good. I like that. I think I'm, I'm going to go with that. We agree. We agree on theology. We sometimes gather together in groups that agree on a particular theology. But doing requires the belief, faith. Do you, do you uh, believe the world is this way? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in his holy apostles? Do you believe what they said? What you thought, you don't get to say he is Lord and not agree with him. And having agreed, do you believe the world is that way? Because once you believe the world is that way, not just agree that it's a good accounting or that you like it better than other ideas. Say, no, I believe the world is this way. I will either flee from God because I believe he is going to judge the living and the dead and I'm on the wrong side of that, or I'm going to design my life the way he wants it to be. It's only when I don't believe that he's really all that that I'm claiming or saying. I just then shape a little religion to hand it off to the God or the priests and get, what, and get whatever points I need to get. We have to dig down to the foundation because when you dig down to the foundation, you know that finding this is it's rare. It's hard to find. It's difficult. It's not complicated. There's just many. The difficulty is on the things that keep us from it, not the thing we're going after. Jesus Christ is not difficult. My burden is easy. My yoke is light, right? Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is a very easy power of God sort of goodness to you 
oh, we're the complicated ones, and we are the complicated ones who do not want to give up our own service of ourselves. But we have to know that in that digging, in that pursuit, where the, how, how good the foundation, the person who's got the seven pillars of wisdom set up on a good foundation is going to have a great life. And the great of the fall was it is not uh, going to be describing your life. In Corinthians 3, verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it. Find the foundation. There's a foundation laid here. Various people are building what Paul laid. It's going to be you. It's going to be a pastor. Whatever it is. Take care. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is a great verse. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And great was the fall of it, or great was the consuming of it, or not so. The house did not fall. The house did not burn up. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This foundation we find, that which is rock hard beneath the surface that you've got to look for. Your church doesn't have to look for it for you. We don't look for things and have a committee meeting about telling you finally what the important stuff is to agree about. You didn't get it. You've got to go get it. You've got to be the one who digs deep. It's not for us to do for you. You get the benefit of being in a company of friends who love these things. But you've got to go do it. We're not talking about whether or not you're saved. We're talking, we could be talking about whether or not you're saved. It's not saying, oh, you didn't do the stuff. This person didn't do, but the foundation was still there in Jesus Christ and they were saved, but they would suffer loss. What kind of result do you want from living out this metaphor of being an architect of your life where you're building up something and you want the seven pillars not to be four and a half pillars? You don't want four and a half or three pillars erected on some Play-Doh you don't want it to be childish and Lego built. You want to find these things. You want to build these things. You've got a life ahead of you. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. This is a... You know, the, the, the apostles, and James is not an apostle, but he's, right, well, this is uh, St. Paul, but James is not. Um, really leaning into this as a comprehension moment. How serious and what is God serious about? 
all that is wrong in the religious world, how much does it fill that verse where it says, deceiving ourselves by being hearers but not doers and replacing all the doing of God's love with religious action? That's the phrase from Bob Newhart. Stop it. Just thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Keeping us in yourself, building this house in each of our lives that we would pursue. We would be digging deep. We would be finding your son and his gospel and building on it in our lives with gold, precious stones, silver. Thank you that we can build such a good thing that we can do things that are pleasing to you and not just pleasing to religion. In your son's name we pray. Amen.